Welcome to We Hear Her. I'm Erin Trenbeth-Murray, and I'm here today with another amazing woman who is sharing her story and insights into life lessons learned. Hi there, I'm Erin Trenbeth-Murray, and welcome to the We Hear Her podcast for Women Who Succeed. Today, I get to speak with Jennifer Hall, who's been a member of Women Who Succeed, I think, since the very beginning. And this is the first opportunity that we've had to do the podcast together, and I'm excited to have you learn about her and her break and transition in education time and where she's from in from Idaho. Um, first of all, as I just said, native from Idaho, enjoys camping and trail riding adventures with her family. She spent years on horseback riding through neighboring fields with a dog in tow or helping her parents with custom drapery and window covering business. She played and enjoyed, I did not know this, American youth soccer and played in her high school team. She started her education at Ricks College, BYU-Idaho, and earned her associate's degree in general engineering. After that, after her education, taking a small break for a few years, she finished her education at Idaho State University and received her Bachelor of Science in Civil Engineering. She moved to Utah 19 years ago to work for a consulting engineering firm and has had the privilege to work on design-build projects which improved travel via road and rail. Jennifer has designed storm drain systems, completed hydraulic analysis of streams, working with bridge designers to provide capacity for stormwater and natural flow to be conveyed downstream, preventing road overtopping and flooding. I wanna dig into this because I'm always concerned about hydroplaning and if I'm gonna stall out my car. So I wanna know about that. Her design work also includes the use of stormwater treatment to improve the quality of water to streams for all who want to recreate in the water. Jennifer has a variety of hobbies and much of her time is spent training, walking, and spoiling her three adorable vocal mini schnauzers. She enjoys reading, crafting, container gardening, sewing, quilting, and bridge watching, binge watching television. She also dabbles and plays with playing piano and guitar. Oh my goodness, like Renaissance woman. Like all of that, like pick, I need, I'd like pick one. And the only one I think I do is binge watching television, which when I first read it, I thought it said watching like bridge watching. I'm like, oh, I do that. Oh, like Madison over bridges over Madison County. Like I loved that. Well, okay. Where I first want to start is Idaho because what I loved is I grew up in North Salt Lake um, before it was developed in a lot of pasture land mm -hmm. and had a very stubborn Shetland Welsh and loved going from field to field to field because a lot of them weren't fenced then. So the neighbor's properties, you just kind of kept going and you'd go over culverts. Yes. If there was a pipeline, I do remember one time trying to get him over a pipeline and I was probably, I don't know, seven or eight mm -hmm. and got in front of him and pulled on the reins and thought that would be a clever idea. And then he ran over the top of me. Oh, no. So I am assuming more accomplished, worse woman than I. <laughs> Tell me about growing up in Idaho. Uh, growing up in Idaho was really quite fun. Um, we lived just outside of Idaho Falls, far enough away to be out of town. Yeah. But close enough that if we had to drive 15 minutes, we were able to get to the Albertsons. Yeah. For instance, to get our, you know, my dad's donuts or the day old store to get his favorite treats. So um, it was a lot of fun. We had farms around us. Mm -hmm. 
areas for and room for for horses and all sorts of animals we raised all sorts of animals and um going for rides in the fields was my, my happy place yeah so, I had a horse that would just wait for me to get on his back because I have no vertical height jump ability. <laughs> and he would just sit there and wait until I finally got on his back and we'd go for a ride. And that was just, you know, without the saddle. But I had tried 4-H with him. Mm-hmm. We tried jumping, jumping. He would jump over uh, one jump and then take off. So I was hanging on for my yeah. dad. Yeah, yeah, Um, Those types of things were a lot of fun. The dogs were always there. My mom would always tell a story about when I was young, under uh, probably four or five, I'd go out and play in the neighborhood field, and the, we had a golden retriever, and she would follow me around. So if my mother would call my name, and Mandy would pop up out of the field, so she would knew where she would know where I was at. Oh, that's awesome! So what a connection with animals. Did I didn't have a saddle on our horse either, and so he would run and then swerve, and I'd throw me off because he could tell how light, you know, yeah. Did um, you have other animals that like livestock? Yeah, so we raised cattle and oh, pigs, everything. And my dad for a while was raising emu, emu, and so we had birds in the back. Anyway, just a lot of fun. We had one. He's a Welch pony that was shared between three different families. If you grew over the height of four foot nine inches, you couldn't catch him. Mm. So only kids could catch him. And when you put a saddle on him, he would hold his breath. Oh, that's funny. So there was a trail ride where we went with my younger brothers were riding. Marshmallow was his name because he was white. We go down the trail. We're trying to figure out where Justin and Heston are. They're on Marshmallow in the back. And we start trotting off. And all of a sudden, you see Marshmallow. He's held his breath for a while. And we get him in their saddle and trotting along. And then Justin and Heston are in the saddle going to the side. <laughs> fall off the horse and he stops but anyway so just fun little stories like that all sorts of different animals we had horses that were hard to ride and others that were easy to ride yeah so did how many acres was it probably five total nice so we had um potato farms around this horse and some wheat potatoes in idaho i know who knew did you um so I always loved going out, like looking for new asparagus that was, mm-hmm. you know, wild asparagus that would be coming up in the in the creek or big gardens. And my mom would be like, okay, go out and cut some lettuce and bring in a tomato and mm-hmm. bring in some corn and that would be dinner for the night. And Yeah, we had a lot of that. Um, we grew vegetables that my dad liked. Right, right. <laughs> so, the, you know, so we had a lot of squash and zucchini and beans yeah. and, and stuff like that. But at a certain point... My parents got really, really busy with their own business that we just ran out of time to garden. Yeah. So then we would, um, what we could, would grow, we would share with our neighbors and then we would have plenty of beans and peas and all sorts of wonderful things to can. So tell me the transition from quiet farm life into then when you started your associate's degree. And you, did you move away from home? I assume. Well, I wasn't that far. I wasn't that far. To go to. I was only to. To go to college, it was right junior there. college. Yeah, I, I don't think that, ads at that age, even at eighteen, I don't know that I was ready to leave home yeah. that by very far. So I think Rexburg, Idaho, was about as far as way as I gonna get. I was going to get, you know, thirty miles away. But um, it, I think of it as I was very much a mama's 
girl, daddy's girl, all rolled up in one, and I had a heck of a time trying to leave. Yeah. But I had to be older and a little bit more mature before I was ready to do stuff like that. So once I got my, found myself to go into school, I found that I tried all sorts of different majors. I tried accounting, way too many numbers, way too, for me, it was just the same thing over and over again. Uh huh. That's just my perspective. I thought, okay, well, maybe I could do something with English. Well, I make up my own words. So. <laughs> Oh, that doesn't bode well. That doesn't go well. I mean, it could be funny and entertaining, but um, I found that I had, um, I like math a lot. I like the geometrics a lot. And it worked really well for me because engineering connects, can connect nature to some of the math. Mm. Oh, yeah. So there's a lot of things that I do working in the water world, trying to help get water back to its source so we have water to use going forward um, and that the water's clean, that there's a way that I can help with that. There's always room for growth. People are always going to be moving one place or another mm-hmm. and we've got to get people from point A to point B. So if I can help get the water where it needs to go, keep it clean, then I see that as as a benefit. And in my mind, it makes perfect sense. For some people, it doesn't always. They're like, okay, so how you do this together? Yeah. yeah. Well, maybe back up just a little bit on the, um, when you got your, you got your associates first. Yes, I did. Which I love so much because with, especially like in Women Who Succeed, as we work with our students for post-secondary, it is about continual learning your whole life. Mm-hmm. Whether it's a four-year degree, a tech degree, a two-year degree, graduate degree, there is not one size fits all. And I think that your story is a prime example of like knowing at which point in time in your life you're ready for something. You mentioned, you know, I don't think I was ready at that time right. to move too far away. And I think that in, you know, retrospect, that's 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 really wise. So tell me about what 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 were your feelings like and what was stirring in you when you said, you know what, I think I'm gonna go back and get my bachelor's. Like how big a break was there? And there was about seven years. Seven years. So in about seven years and rolling around. So tell me about that um, decision to go back and get your bachelor's. So at the time I was working at a trucking company mm-hmm. um, and I was responsible for mapping the mileage and paying, making sure fuel taxes got, were appropriately paid for each state that they were traveling in. And I just didn't love it anymore. So then I thought, well, what else can I do? Well... You know, my, I can get an internship and I can do various, you know, some of the outdoor work, but I don't know that I want to do that for the rest of my days. So I finally decided that I made it partially through. I might as well just finish it because what else am I going to do? I mean, I can always learning about something. So um, my passion hadn't really changed. I just, I think I kind of overworked myself for a while and needed a bit of a break. So I became that non-traditional student that went back to school. Everybody else was a good seven or so years younger than me. And we were in class together and and we we went through, you know, and I had to t- take a few classes over and just to get myself up to speed, my bath back where it needed to be and you know, some of my English back where it needed to be. And because I just kind of, re- 
I wouldn't say regressed. I just was enjoying everything else that was going on. So um, I just decided I wasn't enough. You know, there wasn't a trade I wanted to do. It wasn't very exciting looking at trade yeah. options. So just I just went back you. to school. It wasn't for me. Let me ask you, because one of my lowest grades in college that I barely, I think I dropped the class, actually. Maybe I retook it. was an engineering class. <laughs> and um, I had such a feeling of being dumb. I just could like, I could not wrap my head around it. I think it was, it was a earth mines and minerals class. Yeah. But what, um, and you know, I think that it, me personally, um, I just, I have some self doubts about what, like I've thought about why didn't I ever go back to go to law school? I got my master's, but I always wanted to go to law school and I always had some reservations about not sure if I could do it. What was that like to, for you to go back? Were you pretty confident, yeah, I'm going to do this? Or did you get in there and I, the people that were younger than you that had just finished high school that may have been still in that mindset of learning in a traditional setting, was that intimidating or what did it feel like for you? Well, I think part of um, retaking a few of those courses was really not realizing it. It was a recommendation by my counselor to help me get my oh yeah to build my confidence yeah and i was very happy to be paired with anybody who i felt was smarter than me because we complemented each other a lot of the the engineering class at idaho state was very small so we had a very small group we worked together we did our homework we all did our work individually but we were very helpful um, we helped each other when we needed to help each other. Um, and it was the right environment for me to be able to learn, and it helped build my confidence. I am still not the smartest person in the room. However, recognizing that I at least have the fundamentals to be able to go from understand, you know, point A and point B. And if there's somebody else that can help complement that, then that's what I look at. I look at what I'm able to offer as a complement to what they have. So while I may not always feel that I'm the smartest person in the room, at least I'm smart enough to be there. Yeah, right? <laughs> so I made the choice to be there. So that was the smartest thing I've done. Well, that what you just described goes right along with, you know, what I've observed of you and what we talked about a little bit before we started the podcast, which was um, that you have this uh, alignment or appreciation for when somebody support someone else when there's someone backing up someone else and in that situation in the class you're talking about this community of supporting one another and helping everybody to be successful which is everything i've seen when with anything with the women in leadership stuff at exec ed or the women who succeed program the mentees are now help, offering to help um chair the central did you know you're chairing the girls get back and <laughs> for the wasatch for oh did i why that i thought that but you said to me, you know, I oft, I see a lot of success um, in being on kind of the, the backside and supporting. T tell me about that a little bit, because um, that's not for everybody, for sure. Oh, no. There are a lot of people that are very A-type, A-personality type, that are smart, that are the entrepreneurs that are out there being innovative. I prefer to, prefer to be innovative from the side and whether it is from the background. And I just think I'm better suited that way 
because I'm not as articulate as many people and I'm, I have learned to accept that and I appreciate it. The fact that I can make up a random word and people look at me like, what? Just Hence the English major. Exactly. Version. Exactly. That's why English major never really was going to be um, successful for me. But um, I find that there, there needs to be support wherever you go and whether it's helping somebody else do something great. You know, I I have the opportunities with the work that I'm doing now to be in a role where I'm leading, but I find that most of what I do when I'm leading is teaching. Yeah. And that's okay. And it's okay for them to teach me. And I feel like I'm a better support person. If, if anything, I'll be part of the foundation and everybody else can go from there. And I'll feel like I've done something to help the world ultimately to be better, right? Because a lot of these things that, that we're working on, we're trying to make transportation better. We're trying to make help the environment to be better, have access to the things that we want to have access to. And that is the way that I give back. That's the way I feel like I can give back best mm-hmm. is by being in that supportive role. Do you get a, and a little bit of an adrenaline rush when you or a warm, warm, fuzzy feeling. Absolutely. When you, yeah, when you can make that happen and you know what you, you are coaching and you're mentoring or you're teaching of a team member, a staff member, or someone else that you've been able to help lift and lift a little bit. Mm-hmm. I do. Um, there's one, uh, uh, one individual I worked with her on a project a number of years ago. Um, very organized. So you, I told her, you can teach me how to be organized. <laughs> so she helped me. Um, there were other opportunities that came along, and she says, I just don't know that I have have the ability to do it. And I said, well, heck yeah, you can deal with the or- misorganization or unorganization or whatever you want to call that particular term um, that I offer, and you can put something together from it. I don't see why there's anything that's going to hold you back. As long as you have a support system, you can do whatever you want. Yeah. Well, she's now a nat- uh, one of our practice leads in our national business because, um, not just because of what I offered her, but because I helped give her a push so she could start asking the questions so she was able to use her organizational skills to be a leader. Mm-hmm. And now she's a leader for a lot of people. And whenever anybody asks me about it, I'm like, yeah, I knew her. I knew her. I had her signature. I happened to. Yeah, I made her. <laughs> but, you know, just saying. <laughs> You know, every year that I think that you've mentored, um, you have specifically requested young women who have an interest in engineering. Is that, that's correct, right? Yeah. Remember that order thing for that matter. Yeah. I, 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 maybe we just have been like, we really need to bear up (laughs) because there are not a lot of young uh, women entering the field of engineering more so probably. And you're, um, I'm assuming fairly in a male dominant world. What advice or guidance would you give a young woman who is um, seeking out both education and career paths that could be different? So my background is early childhood education. Mm-hmm. It throw a rock, you hit a woman, right? Like that's just how it is. But in your field, what kind of advice or guidance would you give? Um, don't let anybody tell you you can't do it. When anybody tells me I can't do it, that's when I per. So that's, that is what, don't ever tell me I can't. So, um, with a lot of, 
a lot of young women, and and I've encountered a handful of it with some of my friends. They don't want to do math because they don't think that they understand it. I said, well, no, don't go that far. Think about what else is there. I mean, there's always different ways of thinking. Don't sell yourself short. Just because you think you do that well doesn't mean that you don't need a challenge. What if you can do something that is more challenging than what is easy for you to do? Mm-hmm. You know, I've never, I would love to have taken the, the easy road every with everything that I've done, but I've never seemed to be able to do that. Even when I try to take the easy road, it becomes hard. <laughs> um, but I, I just don't, I want them not to give up on an education. I want, um, even if it's a trade, go learn something. Do something different than you've done before. I, in the last several years, have been challenging myself to do that in particular. One of the reasons why you saw that little check mark go to the park. <laughs> Normally, I wouldn't be here way outside my comfort zone. Um, but if anything, now's the time to start it. Yeah. Don't be scared. The worst thing that can happen is it doesn't go well. You know? And then what? And then you do something. Then we edit the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Well, tell me a little bit more. I'd like to know about um, your professional role. I'm fascinated by there's this, by your passion, it comes across um, for water, water usage, clean water, the communities in which we live in. Mm -hmm balancing that with the demands of population and growth and understanding there's an economic, you know, it's kind of like when we had Elizabeth McMullen here from UDOT mm-hmm. and she spoke to me a little bit about similarly and to, you know, still do the best that we can for the community so that we have everything we need. Is there something that is specific that you're passionate about within your entire, like something that really rises to the top? It could be a, a project you're working on or it could be a concept in general um, of your job? Um, so there's not always just one way to do the thing, the right thing. There's more than one way to solve a problem. And um, what I get the most out of is when we have a team of people looking at solutions. And sometimes the solution that's not as intuitive or natural is a better solution. And sometimes a solution comes from somebody who has a year worth of experience versus somebody who has 25 years of experience. Um, That's what I like to see come together. I like to be able to help find a way to make the the new young professionals that, that start in that I'm working with and I'm training for them to learn the processes and procedures and then if it leads them to making a slight change in their career and doing what they truly want to do, it's re- also reminding them that one path is not the only path. You can do this for 10 years. And if you decide you want to do something else, go do something else. The only person that's stopping you is just, so it can be yourself or it can be um, whatever the, the vision is of the, of the people who who are part of your work group or part of your office. Yeah. Um, I have three non-traditional students work, well, re- not recent students, but um, young professionals working for me. They are not on the same path that a lot of other people are. 
but at the same time, they offer something unique to the table and they bring knowledge and a skill set that I don't have and that people don't really think of. So I just don't, don't not, you know, work outside the box. Don't keep yourself in a box. Nobody puts baby in the corner. Right. Nobody puts Jennifer in a box. dancing right there. <laughs> exactly. I love that. <laughs> well, you have it. The, so, the, you know, when I'm kind of looking um, as, as we're getting close to wrapping up, I'm looking at you and thinking we have this person who grew up so deeply um, embedded in nature, mm-hmm. which she's been able to carry through to, to what she enjoys with your hobbies and with your work today. Mm-hmm. Um, a person who loves um, a team approach to supporting one another that she recognized, um, I think, probably both working on the farm and with your parents' business, um, not the farm, but the your property and the, the, your parents' business, and then to college to help you be successful, and now you giving back and finding tremendous value in supporting others like you get a good a feel good mm-hmm. out of that and I just think it's really great how it's you've tied together kind of these elements that I didn't know about you as a youth all the way to adulthood and the problem solving like you the value that you value ev- everyone's thoughts and processes whether it's the new people or the person you mentored early on and this humbleness of I may not be the smartest one in the room but I can pull all of us together and we can figure this out. I just think that is so unique and so amazing. Well, thanks. I usually don't take compliments. Do you well, see that? Can you I see the untie of, I guess, I don't know. I, I see I it all the time. Oh, well, thank you. And every time that we've asked you for help for women who succeed, you always raise your hand and we're, we're super grateful. Um, I feel like telling you that you're not going to be successful in the Girls Get Back event because then what you'll do is you'll do the exact opposite. <laughs> because you said, don't tell me I can't do it. <laughs> yep, exactly. Well, thank you so much for all that you give to the young women in Utah and for sharing a little bit about your background. And um, it's really going to be, I loved getting to know you, but this was this was great. We should have done this sooner. <laughs> Well, I like being able to at least do something to help. You know, I'm, again, I want to do something to help make the world a better place. If it's with one person or two people or five, then if that I can do that, then I feel like I've done something worthwhile. So. And there we have it. I can't say anything more. That's It's been wonderful to have Jennifer here today, and we thank you for joining the We Hear Her podcast for Women Who Succeed, and we will see you next time. Thank you for taking the time to hear her. Join our efforts and learn more about women who succeed at womenwhosucceed.org. 